you're listening to Nick's Not Creative, a podcast where I go around interviewing people far more creative than myself. We talk to them about their creative process, past projects, current projects, the whole nine yards. Hell, I even talk to them about their day. But Gene, you're, uh, you're doing well. Can't complain. I mean, you've got two of your top employees just sitting in the, in the office with you for days on end. Sounds yeah. like a blast. <laughs> yeah, it's a great time. Well, uh, you're listening to Nick's Not Creative. I'm your host, Nick Einsman, and today I'm joined by Arc Soundstage and Lighting. Uh, guys, you want to introduce yourself a little bit more than that? Um, Gene, owner-operator of Arc SSL. Dylan, I'm a technician from Arc SSL. John, another technician for Arc SSL. They say technician, but really they're lighting designers for uh, some of the biggest nightclubs in uh, New York City and run some of our biggest events. We, we stay yes. humble. <laughs> I mean, I think there's a difference between being humble and selling yourself short. <laughs> but it's it's fine. We've all worked in production long enough to to know when to not sit, you know, oversell ourselves. Um, all right. So, yeah, I know I've known Arc for... Ooh, I think now eight years before you no, we were even Arc. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, just, uh, just a little while, yeah. Yeah, just a little bit. You know, it's fine. We're not on a first-name basis or anything. No, no. <laughs> um, George, right? George? George? <laughs> George? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, so I've known these guys for years. John and I were in a – we swam together all throughout high school. Uh, I actually met Gene on a whim. And Gene, I don't know if you know the story on how I ended up calling you to, like, get that – my first – or correction, my break into AV and like production. I'm, I'm curious. Um, so my dad, obviously, we all know how persistent uh, he is. The yeah. man. The, the man. man. The absolute yeah. man. He's like, oh, you got to call this guy. He's going to like, you know, he wants to talk to you, blah, blah, blah. You know, and as a freshman in college, I'm like, nah, like that's, you met the dude at Home Depot. Like, nah, that's weird. <laughs> a couple weeks later, he's like, you got to call that guy. I just saw him again. If you don't call him, I'm going to call him until you're not interested. Yeah, I should probably give him a call. Two weeks later, like on my 18th birthday, I was doing my first AV, like anything related to lighting or sound. So yeah, it's safe to say that we've got a, a bit of a long history, which is nice. Oh yeah. Um, I, ironically enough, John was there at a completely different job. Uh, yeah. <laughs> at Factory Underground, which is crazy to think about it because it seems like quite a lifetime ago. Um, but Gene, you said you're, you're obviously you're the owner and operator. Give me a little bit of a, a background on you. How long have you been doing this before you, you started your own thing? Um, um, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Uh, <laughs> like, um, I actually started uh, really young as a drummer and then went to uh, studio work, worked at a bunch of recording studios uh, throughout uh, actually elementary school, and middle school, um, then jumped into um, uh, random occurrence i uh, got invited to be a photographer for ozfest um through a friend of a friend and then my friend's mom um and i started taking some pictures kind of helping them out um while i was in high school um became friends with all them and started being a drum tech um and uh started touring around and doing stuff all over the place and thought this was the coolest life in the world graduated high school started uh, pushing a little farther in the industry um, and then realized that there is, uh, a, a shortage happening and there was not enough people and not enough, uh, uh, money to go around. Uh, so they were pushing people to do it for free. 
And uh, I kept on working and working and then realized I, I couldn't do it anymore. So I ended up leaving the AV world and went back to my first love, which was cars. Uh, worked for Ferrari for a while and then uh, left Ferrari and was like, you know what? I was like, if I'm going to do anything, I'm going to try and do production. Um, another friend of mine was uh, touring with us uh, with Disturbed and a couple other bands. He came to me and said, hey, I'm, I'm working um, as a DJ. And I was like, yeah, DJ is not cool, man. We're not going to be DJs. Like, that's silly. <laughs> and uh, we went back and forth and uh, finally called me up one day and was like, I, I need you to come help me out and just be my tech. And I was like, all right, well, I don't know what that means, but I guess I'll come hang out. We get halfway through the night. Um, the lighting guy actually got into a fight with the owner and they threw him out of the building. And I was like, what does a lighting guy do? He's like, I don't know. He just makes the lights blink. So he's like, you're a drummer. Just smash the <laughs> buttons until something happens. And I was like, all right. I kept on smashing buttons. The owner comes over to me and goes, dude, this is fun. He goes, you're, you're hired. And I was like, uh, I'm not looking for a job. He's like, well, you are now. <laughs> and he uh, asked me to come back. A couple of weeks later, he's like, hey, you look stupid. So I was a metal kid. And he was like, uh, cut your hair. And I was like, hmm. All right, fuck it. Did that. And then uh, a couple weeks later, I walk in. He's like, here, here's some money. Buy new clothes. You look stupid. And I was like, wow, this is this is a really strange world we live in. Uh, <laughs> finally got to a point where I was like, you know what? Why not? Bought all new clothes, bought everything else. And uh, it was like, I'm going to keep on buying gear and keep on growing in this and try to do something. And uh, we did something. Yeah, I would, I would, I think it's safe to say that you, you did something. That's, uh, again, selling yourself short. <laughs> um, all right. Now, uh, John and Dylan, or Dylan and John, however you want to go about it. How did you guys get into this? You know, John, I know you've been doing it for eight plus years now, you know, eight or nine years now. You know, what, uh, how, first off, no one ever really wants to join AV. You know, you, you fall into it. At least that's what my experience with it. Gene, you, I know you're kind of on the same boat for the first uh, time. Like <laughs> yeah, uh, I definitely didn't plan to work in AV when I started my career. You know, I started off trying to like just do music. I come from like live sound, guitar, bass, drums, all that stuff. Taught myself how to play. Jammed out with a bunch of friends, played a bunch of shows, whatever. Um, and my whole thing was just trying to learn how to get better in that whole area. So naturally I started interning at the factory underground studio to try to learn, you know, the basics of audio production and stuff like that. And, uh, I'd been there a few weeks and I think that's when you and Gene actually came in for an event and that's where I met you guys. Um, I, I remember we were sitting there just talking for a while about like what it is that you guys do and everything. And, uh, I think it was like, what, two weeks after that conversation, I remember it was like sometime in late August, uh, I started going with you up to that after hours club in Queens. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> some fun times. <laughs> that was, uh... You know, I, I, this is how clueless I was to everything that I remember you said, all right, we're going to meet at three. And I was like, all right, cool. And I showed up at your house at 3 PM and you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> I meant three in the morning. So I, I clearly had no clue what I was getting myself into. Um, yeah. And then I, I started, you know, running lighting at system for a while and it ended up being something I really enjoyed doing. Um, I just started leaning into it more and started working with Gene a lot more. Uh, when we started off, it was a lot of like one-on-one -on -one stuff. He and I would just kind of go and do a job. And now eight years later, we're at a point where we have, you know, more than a handful of people working underneath us and like all these fucking different accounts and all these different jobs that we have going on that just, we're just constantly busy and it's, it's, 
Yeah, uh, it's not something I I set out with the intention of getting into, but it's something that I just kind of fell into and fell in love with. And yeah, and now I'm just trying to learn all aspects of AV, audio, video, light, everything. You know, I, I'm fascinated by all of it now. Yeah, I, I hear that. I mean, I've been out of touch, I'd say, whew, going on three, three years now, something like that. You know, was I was silly place you're living again. Oh, uh, Philly. Yeah, 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 Philly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, no, you know, I, I was doing a little bit up in New Hampshire, but it's one of those things that when you start to fall out of it, you do you kind of fall out of it hard. Um, but Dylan, you know, what uh, what about you? How did you get into it? How long have you been doing it? Well, so I'm actually a I'm actually a nerd, so I actually did want to get into this industry to start out. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, no, ever since I was like a mid-teens, I've wanted to work in AV. Um, I've always just loved like live concerts, that kind of thing. So um, I ended up, and I was into music too. I've been a drummer since I was about 10 or so. And I about, I'd say like summer after first year of college, I started jamming and me and John actually had a garage band going on for a bit. And we started getting closer and, he always talked about like, oh, hey, I got this cool job working at nightclubs, this, that, and the third. <laughs> and I was working at Starbucks at the time. And one day he walks in with one of my regulars, Jade. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, if you don't know, lives off of Starbucks. So, Wait, there's something else? <laughs> there are other foods. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so, you know, I uh, remember I they had to move some furniture or something. And I ended up you know, coming, coming along, helping them move stuff. I ended up talking to Gene for a little bit. And I was like, hey, I want to do this. <laughs> what do we do? So, uh, and then, you know, a couple of weeks later, I'm in the car with you heading the system for my uh, first nightclub shift. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny how just like that that one conversation, because Gene, ironically enough, we met at a Starbucks uh, on Route 7. <laughs> yeah, so I think Dylan was probably serving us. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> um, Honestly, that, that was my Starbucks. I could have been. <laughs> It, it probably was, Dylan. It probably was. Yeah, Starbucks is really just starting friendships that have apparently, you know, gone on for a decade at this point, which is yeah. wild to think about. We're all um, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> that should be their slogan. Starbucks, where the business is done. <laughs> it's like a think tank, but just a co- like front for a coffee shop. It really is. Um, yeah. It's it's scary. Like up until I want to say like two, three weeks ago, I was just working out of like not a Starbucks because we don't really have those here. It's weird. Uh, but I was just working out of a coffee shop because it was cool. Mm-hmm. I got to sit there and not like deal with anything else. Um, it's a little strange get- when you have like a massive, like, well, not massive, that's weird. But like when you have a giant warehouse with a really expensive equipment, you want to kind of have a buffer zone before you bring, like, hey, everyone come hang out. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, is this guy crazy? I don't know. <laughs> hey, this guy like was trying to get me into his warehouse. Yeah, right. <laughs> but it's on both sides too. Like, I, I, like it's kind of weird. Like, oh, I just met you yesterday. Come check out everything. And it's like, ah. No, <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm yeah. good. Um, so yeah, obviously you guys have been doing it for, for quite some time. Um, you know, and you talked about the nightclubs that you've worked with. What clubs have you been working at? Um, what events that, you know, what are your, your highlights, you know, what uh, are the, recently or over time? Let's go with over time. Uh, we, how long does this thing go for? <laughs> I got yeah, all my man. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've worked with, um, 
um, everything. We, we started off in uh, the after hours nightlife uh, kind of club world. Um, then we worked in Westchester for a while. We built a lot of nightclubs there. We built a couple of clubs in uh, Connecticut. Then uh, where I really started was uh, more nightclub in Stanford, which uh, it was for some strange reason, the, the most badass nightclub I've ever seen. And that's like before nightclubs were really nightclubs. There was like, you know, Sound Factory and Twilo and, and you know, a couple other like cool places, uh, Tunnel. And then, uh, yeah, this this uh, this one place just kind of captured me. And this is, this is the place I started at. And uh, I just saw this amazing culture and this amazing, uh, the people just loved everything about it and loved each other. I, and I, it sounds weird saying it, but they really actually did. And uh, people actually gave a shit. And that's really something I never saw before. Like I, being in the music world, like it's kind of, you see people that like, like stuff. These people loved it. And that was yeah. so weird to me, but at the same time, so interesting and so intriguing that it just, I, I was like, I'm hooked to like, it was like the car culture in a four by four, like, <laughs> like you just put all these people <laughs> and smash them into a room and uh, everyone really is on the same page, which is, is just something you, you don't see in anything, any other culture. And yeah, that, no. uh, that's what kind of uh, hooked, hooked me in really, really hard and fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I, I, a miss it terribly because of like you said, like meeting the people and keeping in contact with those people that you made while working there. Uh, the culture is something that you never, unless if you're in it, you really don't know what it is. You yeah. know, it's, it's one of those things that like, I still talk to Tony from system. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't know how <laughs> I do. Like he followed <laughs> me on Instagram. Like, <laughs> Every time. The cops are here. Turn uh, down the base. Like, Turn down the base. You know, but it's like one of those things like <laughs> you keep in contact with these people and like, you can just tell like the first couple nights of you working a club by yourself. It's like, wow, they really love what they do. I love yeah. what I do. Holy crap. I mean, it's, it's honestly like when you look at it, it's a horrible job. <laughs> like, it's fucking horrible. <laughs> like uh, you, every, every minute is, is you have to be on, you have to be off. You have to be excited. You have to be interested. You have to like, there's so many things you have to be at one time. It's, it's very, uh, it's a very strange life. And then once you get hooked though, it's, it's the only life. Oh yeah. Oh Yeah. Uh, I mean, John and Dylan, what are what are some of the events or some of the shows that you've worked that you would say kind of flipped the switch for you in a sense? What was like the deciding factor? I mean, uh, definitely breaking into Marquee, starting to work <laughs> in that room, <laughs> you know, uh, physically and metaphorically. <laughs> Just, uh, <laughs> just being in a room where everything works <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, they're, they're booking really big DJs and, and there's a lot more emphasis on the lighting. You, you, they'll, they'll come up and yell at you if you just have stuff blinking and strobing the whole night. Like you have to stage the room, you have to read the crowd. There's so much more to it than what I, I, I guess my level of awareness in marquee is a lot higher than it ever would have been at system. And, yeah. um, that's something that I can take and apply into whatever area of my life, which is, is great. But uh, I just really like, you know, working at Marquee really opened my eyes to like, like the, the whole thing of like you, how much of a key role the lighting plays and the video and all that extra stuff while being so subtle, you know, we really are the unsung heroes where like, 
lighting and video is what takes something from being like, you know, oh, I went to go hang out with this guy playing music to like an event. Like this was an experience. Like I walked in and like I, I felt something, you know, like I, I, this was elevated to a whole nother realm than what it would have been had it just been a DJ playing some music. So Marquee definitely opened my eyes to that. And then what really made me hungry to really attack this and make me feel like this is something I can make a living off of was once I started traveling for work, once I started doing the New Balance events, like brand yep. activations through them. Uh, we did an event in LA with Maxim that made me fall in love with LA and top 100. Uh, yeah, top 100. And um, just it, it's just cool uh, to have the opportunity to have a job where you get to travel. And and at the end of the day, like, yeah, it's it's, it's a it's a tough job. It's you know, I probably was up for like 48 hours between <laughs> Easy. We, we've worked Super Bowl parties where like it's become a custom now where like I fly from the state back home in the weekend to work the club shift and then fly back out and I'll be up for like two days straight, which sounds terrible. It's rough. But at the end of the day, once it's said and done, you look back and you're like, I did that. I, I hell of an Instagram I built, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I built this whole this whole thing. We ran this whole production. We, you know, and it's, it's just uh, I really like the feeling I got from that. And that's what made me hungry to want to just try to make this a full-time thing and just spend the rest of my life trying to do this. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's a real instant gratification. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, I have vivid, vivid memories of running cables uh, <laughs> at a fest that I definitely can't, I don't think I can say the name of, uh, but it was in Brooklyn and I was the only oh, Mirage. person. Yeah, Mirage. Yeah, you yeah. slept under the fucking stage. <laughs> yeah, I slept in a fucking. Uh, we were there for like three hammock. days. <laughs> three days, and like the first day, I had to run DMX cable on the main stage, and then was told after I ran it that it was broken. Oh and yeah, they, like, dude, you like, like you just kept on running and running and running and running. And I was just like, dude, me, you and me were the only ones still alive. Everyone else was like, nope. <laughs> dude, I like, I remember going home and talking to my dad about it. He's like, you're right. I'm like, I swear to you, I think I lost like 15 pounds. I'm just running back and forth, <laughs> like trying to find it's like. true. That's why we <laughs> bought it, scooters. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. I bought scooters. I was like, I'm not running anymore. Jesus Christ. Oh yeah, dude. I've sold like 70 already. <laughs> Don't ask well, me for chairs. <laughs> fucking chairs. <laughs> uh, he sold 70 scooters, bought like 40, 40 like office chairs. There's it's like, you know that story about the guy who traded a paperclip for a house? That's what Gene's trying to do is just random shit he finds off the scooters. <laughs> you can't have a warehouse and not have dumb shit in it. You also can't trust Gene when no. he says you're just going to go get a table out of this building because you walk out with half the building. Dude, uh, so you know. Okay, so, oh, oh, trust me. I So there was actually one day that I we were like in my basement. This is going to start off a little weird. Uh, but we're like hanging out in my basement for whatever reason. The and we found ever, by the way. <laughs> oh yeah it's if you ever want to just like hang out in a church building basement you're gonna find weird stuff it just happens <laughs> it's what we found like yeah it when we found like a room full of lights just literally like, we found like 40 Lico's and like a bunch of parkant we're like what the t-shirt that says i like the pope <laughs> uh but yeah no it's it's gene you're obviously you just collect random things which is well, I mean, obviously at some point they'll have a monetary value but if not it's still fun to have i found a spear with what i think are actual shark teeth in the <laughs> it is it's real shark teeth <laughs> i actually took that from uh what's his name jason momoa yeah jason yeah. momoa 
<laughs> That's all right. I'm going to have to get this. Actually, no, Gene, tell me all about that really quickly. <laughs> what is this spear? <laughs> I did a uh, Victoria's Secrets Halloween. Well, me and me, actually, all of us did, but we did a uh, Victoria's Secrets Halloween party. And, uh, Everyone was in crazy costumes and we built like this whole like activation for them to come through. And then we built the, the, the party also, but the activation, all these people, like all these celebrities came in and they would just took the picture and then dropped all their shit. So then I took the spear and the dude's like, yo, where's the spear? I was like, I don't know. And then like, it just kept getting passed between everyone that worked for us. So like, we were like, Oh, it's just a random spear and just kept on being moved. And we honestly didn't know where it was, but we kind of stole it. <laughs> I'm like the furthest thing from corporate. <laughs> <laughs> don't put your shit down. It's that simple. Just don't put it down. <clears throat> yeah. Don't have an yeah, army shark spear. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're going to go into a party that like there's a couple hundred people at and you have a shark spear. Way more important. If we went home with a Victoria's Secret model. We shark went home with a spear. Man. <laughs> Who won? Yeah. <laughs> Not us. <laughs> Christ. All right. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously you guys have done some pretty fascinating things with Victoria's Secret parties to, you know, uh post Super Bowl parties to, you know, doing things for, you know, brand brand activation in general is a, a huge passion of mine. Yeah. Um it's a, it's a great like opportunity to really challenge yourself and really like push something that you didn't think you. I mean, it's just a whole another way of thinking where you actually have to take technology and make it something that people really want to be involved with at a very very instant. Which is like I don't know the concept of that has always like intrigued me. Yeah, I mean you know doing the things that I've done with the the past uh, production company that I worked for and doing freelance stuff, it was just like. Oh, I get this awesome brand and I can tell a story in a way that's not just like sitting in front of a presentation, you know, like without going too far into detail, but doing escape rooms for like Fortune 500 companies and like yeah. having these like dudes like, how'd you do this? I'm like, well, let me tell you a story. It starts with PBR. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I mean, it's, it's, you guys have obviously done some pretty fascinating things, but while doing all of the, these incredible things outside of Norwalk, you've also been on the forefront of re actually revitalizing, you know, the Norwalk art scene. Oh, and, and kinda, I mean, to be like from an outsider's perspective, looking in, I haven't see, I don't think I've lived in Norwalk since 2012. And just yeah. seeing what you guys have done with Isaac Square has been fascinating can you, can you talk a little bit about how you guys have been working with that what what have you been doing what are your plans to kind of get norwalk really on the map or, or you know yeah so um basically what happened was <clears throat> this developer he was unbelievable he uh we had so we were jumping between shops at the time and uh we had the big shop in stanford which you were at mm -hmm. um and then we went to uh, a vaudeville or i guess it was vaudeville theater down in sono in norwalk and uh, we tried to revamp that place and it just wasn't kind of working. We, we tried everything and it just wasn't, we were trying to make it a shop and a production space. It just, uh, yeah. it never really clicked. So we were about to move back to Manhattan and this developer hit me up. He was like, Hey, I heard you were trying to buy a building like four years ago. <laughs> like, okay. He's like, <laughs> well, I heard you're crazy. And I was like, 
that's a weird conversation. I was like, we're, we're weird to start a conversation. So, uh, he's like, yeah, he's like, um, come meet me at this building right now. And I was like, all right. And it was an old electrical wholesaler building that was abandoned for like two, know, 10 years. Um, I met him over there. We started talking and, uh, he's like, I don't know. He's like, I don't know what to do around here, but he's like, I, I'm acquiring this entire property, this parking lot, another building over here, another building over here. He goes, I just hear you're crazy. And I was like, this is once again with the crazy, I'm not really sure if that's good or bad, but he's like, well, um, you want to partner with me? And I was like, well, <coughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it sounds, sounds pretty interesting. I was like, I like weird. So, uh, <clears throat> we started working on, um, redeveloping the building. It was abandoned. Um, so they had no plumbing, no nothing. We, we redid the entire building, turned it into our, our main office and warehouse. Um, and then we started expanding and I started like kind of doing some fun stuff in the parking lot. He's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I don't know. Let's just make it interesting. I was like, none of my clients want to come to Connecticut. I was like, all my clients are all over the U S mostly Manhattan. And I was like, I want to give something to be interested in. And he was like, well, I want to make this interesting. So we just kept on going back to back and I kept on coming up with the dumb ideas and he would be like, let's do it. And I'm like, okay. And, um, I ended up buying a bunch of sea containers and graffitiing them. And then, uh, we started talking about building easels that were all over the parking lot, so, but kind of making an artificial, uh, well, I don't know about artificial, but a, uh, semi windward walls type thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, just having graffiti artists come in and do live art and do interesting things. And, um, this, uh, this guy, Jason Milligan, who's unbelievable. He just keeps on throwing anything I, I bring up. He, he's like, let's do it. And then uh, he comes up with stuff that's even crazier than I thought. And then I go crazier than him and he goes crazier than me. And it's just now it's becoming a uh, just a really interesting space. And uh, within a couple months, we've we've turned it into a real art um, capital. And we're, we're trying to uh, make it bigger and better. And the next project is actually going to be a little crazy, which <clears throat> I'll tell you a little bit. It's going to be called Skybridge. <laughs> but uh, we're building some, uh, some, some cool things. And um, everyone in the area has been really... Um, attaching to it. And, uh, there's been development in the whole wall street area of Norwalk, which was completely forgotten and abandoned for so long. Um, we have wall street theater over here, which is uh, a place that we built that, uh, mm-hmm. we're, we're trying to, to bring around and we're trying to just keep on being involved and keep on growing and pushing as many things and stuff like <clears throat> interesting part or interested parties into it and do something strange and new. Well, yeah, I mean, it's been it's been definitely really cool to watch and like talking with you about it when I actually do make my way up to uh, to Norwalk. So I'm, I'm excited to see what Skybridge holds. And yeah, that's it's like I said, I, I'm totally getting I'm sued. Up Norwalk, it so like, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's yeah. it's fine. I don't have an LLC. Enjoy that. <laughs> I've been sued four times now for just doing this. So this is 100 percent on us. Me, uh, It's been well, mostly Jason, but um we are doing this stuff and the city has been fighting us. So we're now we're trying to find new ways to, um, you know, involve the city or involve people. Cause now it's the point where they can't stop it and people enjoy it and love it. And, uh, uh, our biggest thing now is we turned it into a drive through art gallery, especially in this you know interesting time we're in. Um, yeah. it's, it's been a lot of fun and, and we're trying to make it different and interesting. And, uh, the next step we're going to do is live concerts out in the parking lot in the art gallery. So you can drive through, actually turn in your, tune in your FM transmitter and, uh, and, uh, listen to some cool DJs or, or bands and hang out in your car. That's a awesome. I like very much just kind of want to drive up for that. So let me know when that Even happens. Better. I'm going to hold it against you if you don't. 
Oh, I will. Don't worry. I got a <laughs> car that doesn't die once I go over a hundred miles. So nice. That's a first. Yeah. <laughs> you always have the craziest motor vehicles, I have to say. Like you always just had the most random stuff. Like, look what I got. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> Why do you have a motorcycle? Like you don't know how to ride a motorcycle. <laughs> yeah, but it's cool, right? I'm like, yeah, well, you got a point there. <laughs> it's cool, but like, do you know how to ride yet? No. <laughs> you mind riding it home for me so I can just look at it? <laughs> uh, um, also, that's a way to live though. Yeah, you know what? Like it was, it was fun while it lasted, but now I just have a bunch of mopeds, and it's that's a whole other can of worms that I'll tell you about when I see it. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) It wouldn't be the first one, though. Um, Well, it's it's funny that you bring up the the interesting times that we're in because obviously with COVID nineteen, no one's really doing anything. Uh, I can't even tell you how many people have been weeks. (laughs) I mean, what else is new, really? I know, right? Um, but you guys have been doing some pretty cool stuff with with live streaming and actually bringing music into people's homes. Where, like, first yeah. off, how's that working? Because uh, I know with a lot of people that are using things like Stage It and uh, other programs like that, and every time I've gone to or quote unquote gone to those shows, there's always some type of you know bandwidth issue, or you know they have their freaking Nokia cell phone somehow recording it, so the quality is <laughs> terrible. Um, you know, how's that? How's that going for you guys? Like, if you can kind of tell anybody to, like, any of these random little punk bands that want to do streaming, like, what, yeah. what are some tips you can give to them? Um, well, I mean, ours we kind of are cheating. I'm not gonna lie. So <laughs> basically, we um, we teamed up and uh, rented out a vaudeville theater that was uh, potentially going to be the next PPS headquarters. So, um, and then they backed out and kind of changed and it became a, uh, um, just a, you know, local theater. We built and we started working with them and uh, we ended up kind of blocking off our own time and our own space and uh, turned it into our own little live stream. Uh, We brought in all our own lighting, our own cameras, our own video operator. John's been like, unbelievably uh stepping up and just taking like huge strides and in, in building this auto, like amazing video system uh, me and dylan have been just you know really really pushing on lighting and trying to push different uh interesting things to make it you know worth watching for two hours um but we've been trying to um make something that's different from everywhere else but still uh equally as safe um or more safe at that point uh, we run the entire building between three of us. Uh, we have uh, stations built that are in the opposite sides of the room. Uh, DJs or artists come in and they have their own entrance. They have their own separated area. And we actually have no contact with anyone uh, while still putting on a production in one room. Um, and it's been uh, it's been a, a really... I've, I've had a ton of fun doing this. I don't know about the other guys, but <laughs> I, I think it's been a great, a great time. And uh, if you want to uh, check out our Twitch page, it's been, you know, it's been fun. It's uh Twitch as ARC SSL live. Or is um, it just arc live? It, no, it's, uh, no, it's arc SSL. It's live. Arc, yeah, SSL ARC live. SSL uh, live. And uh, just as far as, I don't know, some quick tips to help out people who are trying to stream at home or something like that. Um, yeah, obviously, we have one of the strongest internet connections in all of yeah, the building, so that's kind of you know where we're cheating a little bit. But definitely, if you have the option to go with a wired network, go with that 100% of the time, um, just so you don't have to worry about dealing with weird things like Wi-Fi dropouts, uh, things of that nature. Um, 
it's up to you whether you want to try streaming across multiple platforms or just one. But if you do want to stream across multiple platforms, there are websites like Restream.io, which allow you to do that. Um, another useful tip that I've noticed from uh, just watching a few of my friends' DJ streams is uh, frame rates are really, really important. So if you have uh, some sort of video software and a camera and then your laptop all, and this is all part of an interface that's shooting, you know, your DJ session, your rock band, whatever the case may be, you want to make sure that your frame rates are the same across all three of the, you know, devices, software, whatever it is that you may be using. Because uh, if not, that's how you, you get that weird lag or like, you know, you move every drop 10 frames, frames, drop frames, stuff like yeah. that. Um, I mean, those are three quick tips that I've, I've, that I've, uh, I think would help people out from what I've seen of, you know, the live streams I've seen. So. And you got to think like the person you're broadcasting to. So just don't be sober. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's, that's usually the, how I do most of these shows. <laughs> well, cool. All right, guys. Well, uh, thanks for coming out. I really appreciate having you on air once, uh, or on air. Once uh, everything's all done with this, I'll definitely have to uh, swing up and really check out what you guys have been doing. Gene, I definitely want to hop on one of those scooters. So if you can keep one charging for me, I'd appreciate it. You got it. <laughs> Cool. Yeah, man, All right, guys. Well, uh, yeah, no doubt. Good to hear from you, bro. Yeah, dude. Good to hear from you guys as well. Talk to you soon. All right, Thanks, man. Thank you. Later, bro. This show is brought to you by the Not Creative Podcast Network. For more information on this show or others like it, go to nicksnotcreative.com slash network or follow us on Facebook at the Not Creative Network.